I hit that age when I was 30 where I stopped wanting to play I stopped wanting to play church and uh, I wanted to be the church uh, I wanted and that's what the, the, the gospel says we're supposed to be the church and there's a big difference between going to the church and being the church Jude talks about that hey Jude I'll never forget that now yeah Rusty, did you were you alive when the Beatles were at uh, the at the what was it? What show were they on when they came to America? The Johnny Ed Sullivan. Were you alive when they did it? <laughs> well, my parents were born in '64, and they don't remember it, but my aunt does, and she said it it changed it changed the country. Yeah. All right, well. Going to church and being the church, there's a difference. There's a big difference. And G talks about that, and we're going to look at it. But I want you, during this sermon, I want you to keep this in mind. You know what? Never mind. Let's just let's keep going, and we'll get to that in a minute. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I am there. Uh, I'm not going to be... I'm going to be a little bit more, more blunt this to not today than I usually am. But ask yourself this question. Am I a born-again believer that loves people the way that God loves people? Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I gracious? Am I sweet? All the time. Or am I bitter? Am I hateful? Am I argumentative? Do I look for faults in people? Do I talk about people? Because those are the two definitions of the two people we're talking about. The church and folks who go to church. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. There you go. So what is it? if Jude is a brother of James, what does that make him? It makes him a brother of Jesus. But instead of saying, I, James, the brother of the risen Lord, what does he say? A brother, a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James. It shows you how humble Jude was. Can you imagine... Your big brother being the savior of the world. What kind of shadow must that be? But instead of being resentful or bitter or jealous or arrogant, he's humble. He says, I'm the servant of Jesus Christ and brother James. One of the traits of a, somebody that is the church and not doesn't go to church but is the church is they are humble. They're humble. And humility is only, is simple. Humility is, is seeing the flaws in yourself 
while seeing only the good in others. He was humble. The church is humble. To those who are the called, loved by the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered in the saints, to the saints once and for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now, I like the old King James better because instead of saying, right here it says, uh, turning the grace of our Lord God into sensuality, it says, and the old King James says, turning the grace of our Lord into litigiousness for sin. Meaning this, that saying that I believe in God and I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe he died on the cross for me and he rose and, he, and, he rose, and he's coming back. You can believe all that. But if you use that for a reason, a for a litigious reason to sin, meaning if you use grace saying, well, God's grace will cover a multitude of sins and then do what you want. Monday through Saturday. That's what he's talking about. Now, I want to remind you, although you came to know these things once and for all, that Jesus saved the people out of Egypt. And later destroy those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position, but abandoned their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains and deep darkness for the judgment on that great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns commit a sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by, by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, slander the glorious ones. Yet when Michael, the archangels, was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people, blaspheme anything they do not understand. What, what does it mean, blaspheme something you don't understand? To criticize it. Mock it. You know who these are. I mean, folks like these are in every church, corporation, family. And it's the folks that see only the bad in people, folks that are concerned only with the way things look. Now, what group of people brings to mind? When you think of folks that only care about how, how things look. What, who, who do you think about? I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a hint. They were the biggest, biggest criticizers of Jesus. Pharisees. The Pharisees. They only cared about how things look. They only cared about presentation. And what did Jesus call these people? Come on, he called them a lot of names. <laughs> Hypocrites, snakes, my favorite, white washed tombs. 
What does that mean, whitewashed tomb? It means that they look nice on the outside, pressed, clean, presented, but on the inside they're dead and rotten and disgusting. Whitewashed tomb. They talk about people. They criticize folks. They look for fault. They look for things to complain about. You know what Jude calls them? Grumblers. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but I'm a great grumbler. My mom used to call me hillbilly bear. Because when I get mad, I'd walk around and just mumble under my breath until I went to my room. Anybody seen that cartoon, Hillbilly Bear? Yeah. I was a grumbler. It's not okay to be a grumbler. People who go to the church are grumblers. People that are the church look for ways. Look for solutions. Look for things, ways to make things better. Not criticize the way they are. They don't tear people down either. The world does that. We're not supposed to. A client of mine was being talked about really bad by folks uh, at school. And even at her home church, she, uh, she's pregnant. And uh, a lot of side talk. Lot of side talk. So she fills up the, the, the tub in her home. And she lays down and waits to die. If you don't believe the things that come out of your mouth are powerful, you are in the dark. Words give us the power to build up and they give us the power to tear down. Church doesn't tear down. People that go to church do. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a difference between being the church, being somebody that loves God, that loves people, that is gracious, that is kind, that is benevolent, that wants to seek and save the world, not because of tithe and budget, but because people are going to hell. That's why. That's the church. So if, if that's you, then you're the church. But if you're somebody that complains, somebody that's always finding excuses, somebody that doesn't want to be uncomfortable ever, somebody that's only concerned about the way things look, somebody that likes to tear people down, then you're not the church. No, you just go to church. But you're not the church. So, who are you? Who am I? Charlene, I hate Jude because I think Jude wrote this book about me. (laughs) 
verse 12. These people, all right, he's talking about folks that just go to church. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feast. And they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by the wind. Trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds, wondering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of the holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented, here we go, discontented grumblers. I want to say it again. These people are discontented grumblers. What does that mean? It means they're never happy. They're never satisfied. They keep taking. They take, 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 take. They won't, 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 and they never give. And, 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 when, and when they get what they want, they criticize it because it's not how they imagined it to be. Discontented grumblers. These people are discontented grumblers living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicted by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, in the end, there will be scoffers living in according to their own ungodly desires. These people create division and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you... Dear friends, as you hold yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So, if you've not read a whole book of the Bible, you can tell everybody today you did. You can say, that long-witted preacher, he preached an entire book. All right. Discontented grumblers. Discontented grumblers. They live according to their desires and their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own gain. What does that mean? They're insincere. I saw Becky coming out of the, coming out of the church, uh, parking this morning, parking, coming into the church, 
And she backs up. And she uses all her mirrors. And I just sat there and watched in awe. In between the lines, perfect. You may think I'm being silly, but that's, that's important, being able to park. When I was a UPS supervisor long ago, I worked at UPS for a few years in Bible college. And even then, I was around Christian. But um, as a supervisor, you're supposed to, in the morning, about 2.30, you come in, clock in, and get all the package cars, and you park them so your employees can load them. And I have, folks that know me well know that I have a little problem with parking <laughs> or driving, really. And so my, my supervisor takes me to the package car, He's going to teach me how to drive. And I said, Tim, I can drive. He says, son, you can't park. If you can't park, you can't drive. (laughs) Becky, you can park. Now, I'm not saying that because I want her to flatter me. I was sincerely impressed. You park in the back, it's the way cops do it. I was. No, it was, I, I stood out with Becky. Uh, I stood out. Yeah, you did it too. But I just stood out and watched Becky park, didn't I? I said, this girl's got it. Somebody that's insincere looks for ways to compliment people so they'll get complimented back. So what is Jude describing? Jude's describing the same people that put Christ on the cross. The only difference is the Pharisees, at least they were honest with what they were. They knew what they were. And everybody knew what they were. These people Jews talking about, they look like committed believers. And they talk like committed believers. But they're not. Because they're bitter. And they're discontented. They're grumblers. They're whiners. They're complainers. They're gossipers. What is Archdale? Is Archdale a meeting full of committed believers that are the church, that are ambassadors of Christ? Or are we full of people that come to church because they always have? And that's where it stops. Which one are you? If you're uncomfortable, good. Because you need to be. I am. Verse, uh, verse 22. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear. 
hating even the garment tainted by the flesh. What does that mean? That means somebody that is the church, when they see a brother failing, they're not going to criticize him. They're not going to, they're not, they may rebuke him, but rebuking and criticizing are two different things. You rebuke somebody because you love them, you want them to do better. You criticize somebody because you are happy they're doing bad, because that makes you look better. That's the difference. Which one do you do? Which one do I do? Have mercy on those who waver. Franklinville Wesleyan Church still living, still they're still around. Got about fifteen people now, but they're still holding on. Nineteen eighty-six, my dad was the pastor of that church for about six years, and there was a uh, a fellow that lived right across the parsonage with his mama. He's about fifty years old. He was a he was a biker, an alcoholic, drug addict, and he made. No apologies for what he was. He didn't try to hide it. He just wasn't. He was, he was just who he was. And my little sister, Katie, loved him. And she would go to his house. All of a she'd run across the fence. Or he'd come, pick her up out of the fence, and take her to his house. I mean, this is how close we were. And I remember one day, my dad was invited by this fellow, we'll call him Bubba, and his friends to go fishing. So dad, Bubba, and his other 350-pound alcoholic friend went fishing in their truck. So they're going to get what they get. They stop by the store because you can't go fishing without nabs and a, and a coat. So they go to the store, and they see a guy from dad's church. And not just a guy, but a leader, an elder. Now, the elder didn't see my dad. He just saw Bubba and his friend. Because when my dad sat between them in Bubba's truck, dad kind of disappeared. So he comes up and he starts saying, oh, Bubba, you so-and-so, and da-da-da-da-da. And just, you could tell he wasn't being watched by, <laughs> by his pastor. And Bubba turned to him and says, boy, you better stop talking like that because i got your preacher in here with me. And he put dad and he pushed him to the front so the man could see him. Bubba was a sinner, but he wasn't hypocrite. The Bible says Jesus has a lot more grace on those folks than those that hide it. Now, I'm not talking about things we say are sins. I'm not talking about cultural sins, smoking and whatever. That's yeah. My Aunt Brenda smoked every day of her life for about 70 years, and when she dies, she's going to heaven. She'll just get there sooner. I'm not talking about that superficial stuff. I'm talking about the real stuff that makes a believer, that makes a church a church. Who are you? Are you the church? Or do you go to church? Because if he's a church, man, things... Your priorities are going to change. You're not going to care about being comfortable. You're not going to care about how things look. You're 
you're going to do everything you can to be the gospel to people because there are folks dying all around us that will not know the love of Jesus Christ. And it's our fault. But we're ambassadors. Last story. Jesus tells a parable. Goats and sheep. He says, landowner comes, wants time to take the sheep to market, he separates the sheep and the goats. The sheep represent Christians, and the goats represent people that kind of look like Christians, but really not. The sheep get saved. What, the, what happens to the goats? <laughs> Which one are you?
Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Good morning. Well, everybody's intent on reading their bulletin or something this morning. Everybody's just looking at it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having one of these Yetis. No, nobody in my immediate family is here, so they don't know that comment, do they? All right, the uh, announcements. Open Door Ministry this Wednesday, if you'd like to help, June 19th. Come and join the group um, over at Open Door. And next Sunday, we'll be having a youth and parent meeting to discuss a, a trip, and that'll be right after worship. So uh, we'll provide a pizza lunch for, for the, those that can stay, and just let me know so I know how much uh, food to order. Golf committee's meeting already. Wow, that's coming up pretty soon, isn't it? They'll be getting that date established for uh, a September tee-off time. Um, and read that last announcement, please, in the bull on the bulletin. Um, there's the Run 5, Feed 5 that we've been supporting here at Archdale Friends, and they just need a little extra help. You can see some dates that are published there for June and July uh, on Wednesday evening to help pop pack uh, the boxes. There's also some dates in August and um, September, but um, they need some people to help pack boxes. But these are the dates also that you can drive on Thursday that are printed in the bulletin. They need some drivers to help deliver meals to the 300 children. And so if you feel like you'd like to help uh, pair up with somebody, they would like two people to drive the routes, to run the routes. And so if you feel like you could help run five, feed five, deliver... Uh, food on Thursday mornings, those are those dates. And you can either email uh, Craven or you can let me know and I can contact her so we can uh, support the Run 5 Feed 5. Also, don't take, take time to look at the Father's Day um, insert provided by the Isaac Harris class. And as you go a little bit farther into the bulletin, you see the choir practice um, this summer. And uh, also an additional announcement about uh, the choir. <coughs> Um, the last Sunday of this month, Carol Fifield will be with us. Carol is going to be assisting the, um, the choir, helping Charlene. And so that will be her first Sunday. There's a trial for 30 days that she'll be with us. And so her first Sunday will be uh, June 30th. So just keep that in mind and, and be here to meet and support our choir and Carol. Vacation Bible School is coming up. It's just right around the corner. It begins Tuesday, the 18th, and then, of course, Wednesday, the 19th. And then on the back side of the bulletin insert for announcements, uh, Friends Church North Carolina annual sessions are coming up, and I have registration forms in my office, and there's one in the, the main office as well. Our prayer concerns are printed on the back of the bulletin, and just take note of those. Uh, Julia Grissom Brown has can. Continuing to ask for prayer as she'll be having further testing um, in the weeks to come. Charles English, welcome this morning. Good to have Surgery's August 2nd. All right, and that's um, coming up, so we'll be keeping you in our thoughts and prayers, Charles. 
We hope that goes well. Thank you for being here today. Uh, Roland Alberson is improving a little bit, and he continues to remain at Westchester Manor. Um, and Diane Meredith, she's not here this morning, but she'll be starting her radiation treatments tomorrow, June 17th. Other prayer concerns that you have for Archdale friends this morning? Yeah, Charlene's uh, mother um, had that written down. She got a stent put in Thursday, and she was in the hospital for a couple nights. And just remember her and her husband um, in your thoughts and prayers, as well as Charlene and family as they um, oversee their care at this point in time. Other prayer concerns that you have? Joyce to share with us this morning. Good to have Marion and Jerry with us. We're thankful <coughs> for every day we're here on earth, aren't we? We should be. That's right. Other joys? I don't know how many of you have how many of you got to eat breakfast with us this morning? That yeah, was delicious. Thank you, ladies, from uh, the um, uh, not the Isaac Harris class, but the John Arsdale class, and a few others that helped put that together. It was just a delicious breakfast, and the fellowship was just great too. So thank you for breakfast. Let us pray. Lord, as we bow our head, there's many thoughts that just run through our mind about family, about Father's Day, about our stale friends, about our needs. So help us just to stop and to give those to you and to worship and to celebrate your presence that's in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We truly do love you. And we're so thankful for what you've done for us. Your death, your resurrection, your mercy, your grace, just outdistance everything else on earth. Thank you for your graciousness and the power that you put in us to be your people. Thank you for loving us enough provide a way to peace, to salvation, to joy. And Lord, we pray for our prayer concerns, each and every one. There are needs among us, physical, emotional, and of course spiritual. So feed us today in ways that will make us stronger for you. And be with those who are unable to be here in our presence. Speak to their hearts and to their condition. Jesus, again, it is you that we love and you that we adore, you that we admire. Thank you for being our God. In Christ's name we pray.
Our hymn this morning is a familiar one. This is my father's world, so stand and join me as you can. 143. Thank you. Ushers, come forward for tithes and offerings. O risen Christ, it is in thee that we trust, and we lay at your feet as our Father, humbly giving thanks, giving praise for you. Help our hearts to be ready, Lord, for love, for grace, for mercy, for holiness, for righteousness, for sacrifice. Teach us about sacrifice and giving to you in ways beyond our measure, that we build your kingdom, that we strengthen each other, and that we share in your wisdom and guidance. Thank you for the offering today, the offering that builds each other up and strengthens our community. Bless both gift and giver. In Christ's name, amen.
Father's Day. It is Happy Father's Day. It's been a long week for, for us, and I usually get a chance to figure something out to say. So I'm kind of like uh, somebody better tell me something real quick because I didn't get to prepare anything. <laughs> I, I did have a couple of things happen during the week that uh, that was interesting to me. How I'd gone down to Hillsville Hardware. The Japanese beetles decided they would attack all my ferns, so we had to get rid of them suckers. So I went down there, got some stuff, and I paid for it. You know, I took it out, and the lady gave me back whatever. I think she gave me back a five-dollar bill and a one. So I opened my bill phone, I put it. Made she said, "Who did you learn that from?" I said, "My my granddaddy." He always told me, son. Put the fives where they go, the ones where they go, turn them all the same way. And when you pay for something, make sure there's not two stuck together. <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking about, you know, that's a simple, teeny little bitty thing. But boy, all the lessons you fathers have taught your sons and daughters is amazing. Uh, I looked in the mirror about 10 years ago, and there was my dad. I mean, it was, it was my dad. And uh, Debbie constantly reminds me, well, that sounds like something your dad would say. You're talking just like your daddy. And I guess I am. And I guess we do. And that's not a bad thing. So for, for all the fathers, grandfathers, congratulations for being the people you are. And I will ask you this. I, I look out here and I think about my father, but I also think about all the other fathers in sitting here from this church that have influenced my life. There's a lot of you have made a huge, huge impact. And some of you teachers that had been in Ken, they've told me before, you made a great impact on them. So that's some good food for thought as you go through the next week, that, that we, are, we are all fathers for everybody. Now I'm going to ask Hollis and, and uh, John, we worked them to death on this. We got some mementos for the fathers if they'll come down and help me. So if you're a father or not a father, because you are, stand up. We're gonna, I don't know what we got this year, but Becky Coltrane always does such a great job. So stand up and, and you know, we, we, we talk about accolades and we talk about people and, and one of my favorite people is sitting right there in a pew is Miss Elizabeth Church, not Elizabeth Church, Elizabeth York, where's my mind going? You know, we talk about recognizing people. Elizabeth, uh, you know, don't know this or not, but her AAU basketball team won the state championship, and she was a great part in that. So that was something that kind of goes, you don't read about all that in the paper. And I've got to watch Elizabeth Grove, and I'm going to tell you what, we're going to be reading about that young lady. She's a sweetheart. Has everybody got something? I'll get one. All right, Becky. Uh, so have a great day. Take care of your fathers. And just make sure that if you get a chance, call somebody today, even if you don't know them, and wish them a great day. Children are excused to go to their children's church.
know, Jeff and Rick, uh, Jeff Milliken and Rick Sullivan aren't here today. Uh, Kelly's running the sound system, so hi, Kelly. Thank you. Um, she hadn't been trained in how to use the screen or anything, so we're going to read the scripture, and you're just going to listen, or you can follow along if you'd like to. And in the few Bibles or your own Bible, a uh, few Bibles, page 475, if you'd like to look at the, the words uh, from uh, King Solomon. Um, Solomon lived about 900 years before Jesus was born, and he, uh, he was supposedly the, the wisest and the richest man that's um, ever lived, or basically was during that time. Uh, he's the son of um, King David, and so we're going to uh, read some of, what, some of his proverbs. Some of you remember uh, throughout part of the winter, uh, we were looking at the book of Proverbs, and there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of good insights in about daily living and your relationship with God and things that we need to be paying attention to and hearing. And so we're going to be reading from the fourth um, proverb today, verses 20 through 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt, corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. And take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And we have a special treat this morning in a father and son combination. Joe and Paul Satina are going to share with us this morning. And how appropriate for Father's Day. Knowing what you 
You know, it's amazing when things just hit you sometimes, when you do something you wished you, you, you did something you wished you wouldn't have, or you do something you wish you should have. So Hollis, I'm sorry, I just looked right over that you were supposed to read. I called her this week and asked her if she'd read the scripture. Well, we actually were texting and asked her if she'd read the scripture, and she sent me a happy face, yeah. So thanks for the happy face, even now. Sorry. And my sermon topics, blessed are the focus. That didn't fit too well, does it, friends? <laughs> Just doesn't fit at all. <laughs> now where do you go? But blessed are the focused. Blessed are those that pay attention. Blessed are those who focus on a direction. 
Blessed are those who are focused on what they want and where they want to go. You know, most children believe that they have the best dad or mom in the world, don't you? If you think you have a great mom and dad, just raise your hand. I don't care. Yeah, look at that. See, look. Some of you are raising both hands. And that's the way it should be. Because you've been loved. You've been cared for. And you should believe that your parents, mom, dad, are the best in the world. Now, you parents that are here this morning, who think your children are the greatest in the world? See, look at that. Yeah, it goes both ways. It truly does. And that's the way it should be. Let's all just say this morning, thanks for all you do, Dad. Thanks for all you do, Dad. Say that with me. Thanks for all you do, Dad. That's right. Some dads have already crossed and gone into heaven, but that's okay, so we thank them for what they did. Just a few little notes about some things that fathers might tell their children. Peer pressure is about insecurity. Be confident in who you are and you won't have to fit in. This might be for when you're a little older. Never relax when your spouse is doing chores. Though she may say it's okay, you don't want to be that guy. There's no game more important than the one in your family. Don't lie, cheat, or steal. If the law doesn't ring you up, I will, says Dad. Respect, love, love and respect for all. No cookies before supper because Mom said so. If you play with fire, you get burned sometimes. Now, when you mow the grass, son, keep it short and green. Shower, brush your teeth at least once a week. <laughs> and Dad says, work before play, because Mom said so, but let's go out and shoot some hoops right now. Take responsibility. Trust God, he won't let you down. Have fun, but don't make fun of others. We all make mistakes. No one is perfect. Admit your faults and learn the lesson. Don't ever lie to a policeman. Don't ever lie to anybody. Be honest. Now, the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon, again, who was to have been the most wise and wealthiest man of his time of all times. He was credited to building the temple in Jerusalem. And he lived again about 900 years before Jesus. And the book of Proverbs was written to teach individuals how to attain wisdom and discipline. How to know to, when, how to do things right. That's just and fair. And chapter 1 verse 7 is the key verse to this whole 31 chapters of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
understand that God is always watching. He's always watching. So respect him. The book of wisdom contains 31 chapters, and it has three sections. Chapters 1 through 9 is what we're looking at today, really just chapter 4. But it's for young people. That's how Solomon broke it down. Chapters 1 through 9 are for young people. And chapters 10 through 24 are for all people. And 25 through 31 was written for leaders. And there are numerous references throughout the entire book which ask the son or daughter, we could say, to pay attention or to listen to the father's advice. Let me just go through a few of those in the first three chapters before we get to chapter four. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be like garlands to grace your head, and a chain to adorn your neck. Now that's a good thing. I don't always want garland on my head, but I understand that's like a crown. And a chain around your neck to remind you of what you believe in. And then it goes on to say, My son, if sinners entice you, don't give in to them. Do the right thing. Run to God. Stay put in your belief. Seek the answers in the book of life. And chapter 2 begins a little bit long of an introduction here. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your heart to wisdom and cry aloud for understanding because you'll find a hidden treasure. Then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Spend time in Genesis to Revelation because there's hidden treasures in there that prolong your life, that find life today in your heart. Hidden treasures. How many of you like treasure maps? You ever looked at treasure maps and tried to find that hidden treasure? We've got a grandson that just loved to make up treasure maps. You know, rooms in the house where he might hide something or you might hide something. And then he wants just to go find it. The scriptures contain hidden treasures. And chapter 3 starts out, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. So it keeps repeating itself here in these first three chapters about my son or my daughter. Know my teaching. Pay attention. Listen. I didn't do so well when I was 8, 9, and 10. I didn't always listen too well sometimes to what I was told. But the older I've gotten, become, I understand the importance of listening to the Heavenly Father and what he has to offer us. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. And today we come to the fourth, today's scripture reading, we come to chapter four. And again it begins, listen. Now what does listen mean? If you had to define listen, how would you define that word? 
What's that? Yeah. Okay. Pay attention? Yeah. What else? How else would you define listen? Okay. You can define it in your own way, but listen. Pay attention to the Father's instruction. Pay attention to what I am saying. Stop. When you were, uh, as a father, did you ever ask your child to stop and listen and look at me? Pay attention? And God is saying that. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Look at me. Spend time looking at me. Listen. God speaking to your heart. Listen before action. Hear my words. Pay attention. Pay attention to my commands. Don't forget my teaching. When um, I was a child, I was the youngest of five boys. And we had a good-sized lot out beside the house, between the house and the barn. And occasionally we played softball in that lot. And The um, fence was, I don't know, 35, 40 yards away. And we would sometimes hit the ball over the fence. Now, I was never a home run hitter, so that didn't end up with me very often. But my brothers that were older sometimes would hit it over the fence. And the expression that my mom had always told us was, if you hit the ball over the fence, go find it. I'm not buying you a new one. Well, it still would happen that we'd search a little bit. You know, the corn's up so high or the soybeans are up so high. That's not fun, crawling on your hands and knees looking for a dirty softball. You know, it's not always white. Sometimes they turn gray and they're difficult to find. And we'd go in the house and say, Mom, we hit the ball over the fence and we can't find it. She almost had the same response all the time. Did you make a diligent search? Go back out and look for it some more. And that's what we have to do in our relationship with Christ, with God. We need to make a diligent search and find him in our heart. Keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and keep looking. You're going to find him. You'll find him every day. But make that diligent search. God's eyes are upon you. Seek to find him at all costs. Pay attention. Stay focused on the long haul. Look way down the road where you want to go. Don't look just right in front of you today, but look way down there. Look past Archdale Elementary School. Look farther down the road to where you want to be. And where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to end up? God's eyes are upon us. Seek him at all times. Do the right thing. Don't skip out on God. You know, consequences can burn you. My son, pay attention. Take time to listen, to understand. I have something important to say. Listen to my words. Don't forget them. David Matchett, a friend of mine when I was growing up, his family had a large basement and had picture windows on two sides. They met in the corner, there's picture windows on both sides. And they had a pool table down there. And 
David liked to play this game that he had made up called Finger Smash. And it was a finger smashing game, believe me. I never got to play. I just heard about other people talking about it at school. And the object of the game was one person was at the far end of the pool table and the person at the other end would put their fingers over the edge of the pool table like this on the inside. And the person at the other end would throw that ball as hard as they could and try to smash your fingers before you got them out of the way. I don't know how many times David played that game, but his father kept saying, don't play finger smash. You're going to hurt somebody or you're going to break the picture window. Well, guess what happened? David was playing one time and he threw that ball. It bounced off the table and boop, right into the window and it left a nice little round circle. A lot of lines in that picture window. Now, David was an honest soul. He ran right to his dad and he told him exactly what happened, my friend said. And you can imagine the conversation between dad and son. I told you never to play that again. You can just hear that. You didn't listen to me. And then there were consequences. David had to pay for the window as a 14-year-old. And when we don't listen to God, there's consequences. When we do what we want, and we don't pay attention to what the scriptures say and what God says, there's consequences because of our actions of not being obedient and listening. And sometimes there's misery. David told me later it took three years for him to pay for that picture window. That's a long time to lose your allowance or part of it anyway. Listen to what God is saying. He loves you. You know, your earthly father might love you this much, but God loves you a lot more. Because Jesus' arms were on the cross outstretched for you. Don't let God's instructions out of your sight. Keep them in your heart and in your mind. Keep them right there. Your life will be better and you'll be happier. You'll find greater contentment and more peace and more joy. We may not always like what's going on in the world, but there could be a peace and a contentment in your heart. You know, when your heart's fighting against itself, you're in a battle. You ever had your heart fighting against itself? I want to do this. No, you better not. I want to do that. No, I better not. Well, it might be okay. No, you better not. Your heart ever felt like that? You've been kind of torn? You don't know what decision to make? Spend time paying attention and listening. Staying close to God. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? What does it mean to guard your heart? What is a guard? Well, in football, that's something close to the center, guarding the ball, guarding the guy that's got the ball. But what does guard your heart mean? I've run a, ran a, a table saw and a circular saw. There's a guard on it. And why is that guard on there? To protect you, to keep you safe. So you don't get hurt. So that misery doesn't set in. So guard your heart with God. Guard it with the word of God. 
pay attention. Listen. Guard your heart. Stay focused on the long haul with God. Put away perversity. And here perversity means a deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable and unacceptable way. So guard your heart against that corruption. And don't let your eyes stray. Keep them, keep them looking straight ahead on the road so you can navigate the turns that come across your path. Now, when I was in high school, there was a movie star by the name of Raquel Welch. Any of you remember Raquel Welch? That's exactly right. It was hard to stay focused, friends, when Raquel Welch walked across the screen, screen as a 17 or 18-year-old. I'm sorry, ladies and mothers and wives. I don't mean anything against any of you in that respect. But as a 17 and 18-year-old, when she walked across the screen, I was even if it was on the television, she was 3,000 miles away. That wasn't staying focused very well. That was being lost in the world. That was being kind of humanly, being just human, but at the same time was not being God. You know, I don't know where Raquel Welch is today. I have a clue where she is. Anybody know where she is? Well, you better not say. <laughs> That's right. She's right there to your left, isn't she? Mine's sitting right out there. Thank you, Jerry. I know where God is. I know where my focus needs to be on my relationship with my wife, with my family, and with Jesus. My focus needs to be right there, not looking to the left and not looking to the right. I need to stay focused on Christ. I also wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was in high school. I really did. I don't know why. I just liked the game, and I wore number one on the back of my jersey because Jose Cardinal, player, center fielder for the Chicago Cubs, wore number one on the back of his jersey. I wanted to be like Jose Cardinal. I wanted to play center field for the Chicago Cubs. So I wore number one, played center field for Eastern High School. I thought that would send me right where I wanted to go. I was hoping. I don't know where Jose Cardinal is today. I don't have a clue where he is or what he's doing. None whatsoever. But I know where Jesus is. I know where my focus needs to be. I know where I need to be looking. Not at me. I need to be looking up at Jesus Christ. I need to be focused down the road on what he wants me to do, not so much on what I want to do. Don't let your eyes stray. Keep looking straight ahead. Keep your eyes on the road and navigate the turns. My brother Jim, one year uh, when I was about 12 or 13, asked if I wanted to plant a 
six-acre cornfield right behind the barn. You know, I'd never planted before. And wow, what an enticement that was to get to plant. And so he filled the planter up and sent me out to plant the corn. And lo and behold, I hadn't thought about <clears throat> how to do it very well. And when every morning and every evening I went down to the barn to help do the milking, you looked right out that east window and you see the corn coming up. And the rows were just... They were not straight. And he told me, after the corn got up a little higher, he said, Rusty, you know, he said, if you'll pick out a destination way down there and look right over the radiator cap and look right at the end of the field, a fixed object, don't choose a bunny rabbit or something like that that's going to move, but if you'll just fix your eyes right down there at the end, you can focus and you go right to it. You know, I did much better after that because I was focused on the end goal. I was focused on where I wanted to go. Listen, my son. Pay attention to what I'm saying. It's all right there in Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is not going to lead you astray. Keep your eyes focused on God. Fix your gaze on him. Know what you want spiritually and work towards it, staying focused on the end goal. Be careful where you walk. Make sure it is safe so you don't stumble and fall. Stay in the straight and narrow. Resist the temptations in the world because they are everywhere. Stay focused on Christ.
Our concluding hymn this morning is 596, I Surrender All. 596. Lord, we thank you that you're always here for us. May we always do our best for you. Amen.